Well, I got Coach Smith on another episode, y'all. We had to bring him back uh, to another episode of Sports Time with my. We talked about it. We might as well get right into it to the NCAA March Madness Finals. Uh, I had a, I got a little soundbite of you from the first episode <laughs> where you talked about where you said what happened when Gonzaga, what happens to Gonzaga every tournament, and uh, I, I said that I thought Jalen Suggs was going to be the missing piece. He was in that UCLA game, you know, hit a big time shot, but uh, <laughs> against Baylor, <laughs> he was a missing piece. He was missing. <laughs> as a, as a, what the number of Vado say for Baylor, you know, they ran into some real ass dudes for the first time. And I mean, just touch on that, Coach. What did you see there? You know, as someone who's like I said, as a coach, what do you, what do you see in that Gonzaga team that, that had you feeling that way before the game even started? Hey, like I told you before, man, the bottom line is, you know, uh, Gonzaga runs through that WCC conference like a hot knife through Swiss cheese. And the fact of the matter is they don't play any real, in my opinion, in my opinion only, they don't play any real competition. I mean, you know, nobody in that conference is really a measuring stick for them guys. Now, when they come to the tournaments, you know, it's a one and done. Any given night, anybody can be beat. But it's just the same repeat broken record when you look at Gonzaga. As a coach, I love Mark Few, but they just don't get it. You know, they're the modern Duke of um, the 90s, you know, from the 90s, I should say. Um, you know, they, they, they want a certain class of players, if you really ask me. They don't want them, the, yeah. the, the thug, the hardcore type guys and it hurts when the playoff come when you look at how they ran up against uh Baylor let's just call it what it is Baylor was some dogs Baylor was the boys from the corner standing at the corner store and you Mr. Nice guy come walking with your Jordans on they gonna take it they taking them you know yeah. because we gotta get it out the mud we don't have the luxury of our parents buying you know, us $200 shoes every week that they come out while you guys are just walking up the street. So they hit them in the mouth, and Gonzaga, just like I thought, wouldn't respond. They never recovered. Yeah, never they recovered. never recovered to that first blow in the face. Hey, man, you know, like I said. I, I felt that way for sure. I, I, I believe Mike Tyson coined the phrase, Every guy, everybody got a plan until they get hit. <laughs> when you get hit, it's a different story. So they didn't readjust, man, and they bit them. And they got hit all right, down 21-8 early in the first half. And like you said, it looked like, honestly, every single possession, Baylor was just like, I'm tougher than you. You know, every possession on every single loose ball, rebound. And I was telling a friend, I saw this from Zaga early in the tournament, especially against UCLA. They don't box out. And that comes back to just having heart and playing hard, like you were saying. And Gonzaga just – it's too cool. It's just a little too cool to hold the game. Well, well, not even, you know, the boxing out because you're right. You know, I know me and you went back and forth. We can look at how they wouldn't hedge and on the pick and rolls. But, you know, you forget a lot of stuff when somebody's taking your heart. You know, yeah. um, some of them guys knew it was over the first half. You know, even though they made a run and, and tried to cut it cut it down before halftime, it was it was over, man. Baylor took them guys' had, uh, hearts. And, I mean, you're talking about three after three after three, you know, making loose balls, dives, diving on the floor, taking it from you. You know, they just play with that tougher and the grit. And just from the onset, you could see that Baylor wanted it more than Gonzaga did. 
Yeah, and then it's down to, you know, on as far as what was happening on the court, it just looked like Gonzaga was kind of just moving in quicksand or, you know, slow sand to be exact. I mean, Baylor was just beating them to everything. I You look like I've never seen Gonzaga look so slow all year. And it's sad because all those three, – three to four of those guys are going to be NBA pros still. You know, they're still going to be playing at the next level somehow, some way. But if I'm a scout, I saw some things – well, I have questions about on and, and Drew Timmy. You know, uh, what you just said is, is key. Somehow, some way, you know, I mean, what's the last Gonzaga player that has really made an impact in the NBA? I mean, a lot of them guys get drafted high. I, I, Kelly Olenek? Olenek. I mean, he and he's a marginal role player right now. You know what I'm saying? If Even if that, I thought he was a marginal role player in Boston, but, I mean, even they got rid of him. So, I mean, even when you go back to the uh, – I can't think of the young guy that the Pistons drafted from Gonzaga back in the day, even, you know, you go to Adam Morrison. You know, you can just keep going down the line. Again, these guys look good on paper. They look good on film when they're playing against little brothers. And then they, they you know, they don't make it to the pros and they don't be worth anything, you know. So if I, if I am a scout – I'm looking at them Baylor guys more than I'm looking at Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, if it ain't John Stockton, you know, besides that, (laughs) that's really the only Gonzaga player that comes to mind. But um, Jalen Suggs, let's talk about him for a little bit. You know, he was, as a a two guys from Detroit, you look at the Pistons, they find themselves in a position to probably be in the top five if the odds go well and – you're looking at guard positions. You got a guy like Jalen Suggs. What did you see in him that you liked about his game, or did you see some holes that you saw, you know, throughout the tournament? Um, I definitely seen some holes because once again, okay, you know, he had a a, a decent game, I believe, it was against UC, UCLA. But once again, when when somebody put the pressure on him, you know, and I look at guys like Baylor, you know, uh, the Donovan Mitchell kid. You know, he, he's a potential, you know, first rounder. And you look at how he was getting up in him, as your dad would say, pause with the with the defense. And I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. you know, there's somebody on equal footing. Now you look at a guy like a, a Kyrie or a Patrick Beverly, you know, getting up in your mug. What, what you really think you're going to do? You know, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So Drew Holiday. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I'm sure over time. He he has the potential to be a, a decent NBA player, but you know it's it's just kind of hard to to gauge him. I think he's a, a decent um, college basketball player. I've seen some much better, but you know I, as a scout, wouldn't be building my team around him. You know, so it, yeah, it's, the, the, the best guard I saw was Cade Cunningham in the tournament and throughout the season. Yeah, he, I really like Cade Cunningham. Yeah, Cunningham was was a decent guy. I mean, you have some. So some outstanding guys out here this year that played in the NCAA, man. And, um, you know, it's kind of too many to name. And a lot of them is a so major, you know, not even on the the, the, the D1 uh, big-time side. You know, they're just getting them up. So um, that, that's why I love this time of year because you get to see the best talent at some of the smaller schools. And that's why, you know, a lot of people cloud me because I said, oh, I'm a mid-major guy. No, that's just where – you know, I'm set at because if you can coach, if you can play, you can play anywhere. You can coach anywhere. Play anywhere. You know, and if you're that damn good, they're going to find you. Yes, the game ain't changed. It's the same game, you know. And um, 
Speaking of that, I think a lot of the greatness in the mid-majors this year had a lot to do with, you know, the COVID pandemic and how kids were able to transfer to schools and play right away. And they're saying that next season coming up, you know, basketball players will be able to transfer again and play right away. I personally think that's something that should be able to do anyway. Um, I don't see how the NCAA has these rules on these players. You know, it's not like when a coach leaves mid-contract, he has to sit out until January to play. (laughs) You know, he's not like he has to sit out until January to coach. So, I mean, this COVID pandemic has made, has put these players honestly in a better position to be successful for their own career in the future. Yeah. uh, uh, You know, I just think it's, it's a good move. It should have been in place to be honest. Um, I mean, because, because like you say, you know, when a coach leaves or a coach gets fired, you know, either one, you know, he's able to pick right back up and and go to the next school unless he has, you know, a tremendous uh, contract where, you know, one has to be bought out to some degree. Um, and I just think it's the same because, you know, as a coach, let's just be for real, man. When you step into the them college floors, you know, it's kind of different from high school. High school, you step in as a coach, you know, you have to deal with what's there. You know, so you're not going to get a lot of kids uh, transferring and leaving and that type of situation because uh, um, relocation and, and and different type of things, rules that's that's in in the in the high school ranks. But uh, when you look at the college, you know, if I didn't recruit you or I looked at previous film, you know, or I know about you and I know that you're not performing where I need you to be or my type of player, it's going to be some type of conflict there. So it only makes sense to let a kid get out of that situation. You know, again, as a coach, I can go anywhere whenever, but as a player, I have to stay, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of crazy. Now I don't agree with, you know, you being able to transfer seven, eight times, you know, just because, you know, it, it didn't work out for you, but I think one time should definitely be an exceptional rule. Yeah. Especially when I mean, you got the schools that are, you know, what I call over recruiting, you know, you bringing in six, seven guards, knowing that you're just going to sit one for a year. You're not really taking the kid's best interest to heart. You're really just thinking about the program as a whole. You're not thinking about what's actually best for this kid and the family when you went to their house and made these promises. Well, no, you know, as a, as a coach, you know, especially on the high major level, you know, you're always recruiting, you know, anywhere from three to five kids at that same position. Um, you know, yeah. with the hopes of landing, you know, two, if not all three or four of them, you know. So that's like you said, that's definitely going to be one of the, the things you have to nail out. You know, uh, you know, nobody wants the red shirt. So, uh, you know, you got a red shirt. Yeah. Then you still bring going out recruiting for the for the upcoming years. You know, so it's a it's a constant <laughs> circle, you know, when you look at the uh, situation, man. And, you know, I just think. It's a, it's a good rule that needs to be in place. And, and by the way, that, that kid that the Pistons drafted, Austin Day, it just came to me. Austin Day was the Gonzaga kid. Austin Day. I used to love Austin Day. I thought he was going to be Tayshaun Prince Jr., and he was not. Never panned out. <laughs> Never panned out. Man, Austin Day. What a name from the past. Before we switch gears to the ladies who had a fantastic tournament as well, I do want to touch on real quick on – the increase in black coaches we have seen get higher since the end of the college basketball season. Um, like I said, on our last podcast, we talked about how, you know, you think that, you know, major schools 
need to start hiring black coaches if you're going to hire next. And <laughs> you must be psychic because you see it, it happened right after that. You see Indiana hire a black coach. Yeah. UNC hires the first black coach ever. And I got a list over here. I counted 22 black coaches hired just this just since the offseason has ended in um, in two weeks ago in April. I mean, how amazing is that for one? Two, obviously, it should have been happening, obviously. You know, we're 53% of college basketball. We should have been in this gear. But how important is it, though, for us to be getting this half of our body in the door finally, like we were talking about, how tough it is? Man, you know, I just think with, with everything and the times that we're in, it was uh, it was time. It was just. It was now. You know, and if we're being honest, while they're great hires, and I I believe half of them are safe picks, and I'll explain that in a minute. While they're great hires, um, I just hope we're given the chance of our, the full chance of our white counterparts. Um, You know, I don't want it to be because it was a, a scandal going on, as we said before, a scandal going on in this situation or university. So to calm that scandal down, let me bring someone of color in and uh, calm this situation down. And then once it gets calm, you know, hey, you got to be shown the door. Um, You know, going to my safe picks, I believe when you look at schools like North Carolina, Hofstra, um, uh, right now, those are the only two that's coming to mind. A lot. Oh, Indiana. Indiana, Mike Woodson, for sure. A lot of them hired alumni, former players, you know, so I think it seemed like the, um, you know, even when you look at Eastern Michigan, a lot of schools went back to the welcome home theory, you know, and and that's why I say a safe pick. So um, it's others out there, but it just seems to be that's the way that that everybody went with a safe pick, you know, um, um, the Hubert Davis in North Carolina, you know, it's like, how could you look past that brother sitting on the bench who played, you know, uh, been an assistant for almost 12 years, uh, NBA. T- so how can you look past someone like that? Now, he made some bonehead comments mm-hmm. at his press conference, but, you know, that's a different <laughs> discussion for a different day. But, uh, you know. I could not believe it, Coach. <laughs> yeah, man. So so all in all, man, I think it's a, it's a good look and it's a good time. I just hope that we get the uh, fair share. Um, that's due to us. Yeah, hope is real. You know, there's no point of having 22 new hire coaches this year and next year you fire 10 of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it kind of, you know, kind of defeats that purpose. But it's definitely um, a bright side. And you said, like, a lot of former players we get to see get back at it. Speedy Claxton, I know I'm loving to see what he's going to be able to do. It's good to see Stackhouse in his second year at Vanderbilt. So definitely some good uh, – some black hires moving into next season. I want to touch on the women's uh, NCAA tournament as well before we move on to the NBA. How amazing was, I personally think, the run by Arizona, even though they came up short. Man, Ari McDonald is bad. She was she was a bucket. Yeah, Arizona had a tremendous year, man. You know, I'm, I'll put it like this. I'm for anybody but UConn, and I, I am not <laughs> – I am not a UConn fan, has never been. I just don't like Ariana, whatever, Gino. And, uh, you know, Gino. His, his arrogance and cockiness, man, is just just ridiculous. Um, you know, I think 
it also with the with the uh, controversy of the refereeing and the cause, I think it put a, a bigger spotlight on the women's tournament. You know, uh, yeah. along with you know them getting um, lesser quality um, things. You know, in in regards through the regards of the NCAA with um, the food, the disrespect with the food and the, the housing, food, the housing, you know, the weight training and everything, you know, that's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, even, even when you look at the amenities of the gears that they got, you know, I mean, I think they gave them like a t-shirt socks and a pair of shorts. Yeah. You know, like, you know, people always talk, it's, it was, it was just disrespectful, man. The weight room put a yoga mat down. It was like, someone was just like, Hey, what do you think a girl works out with? And some dummy was like, a yoga mat and two tampons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we play basketball, man. It, it, it's ridiculous, but I think the the tournament run was good. You know, um, you know, back in the day, I was never a Stanford fan because they always won too. So it was good to see them back in the mix. Um, pulling definitely was pulling for Arizona because we had a sister girl that was a, a coach. You know, and she was coaching. And, yeah, she was coaching. I mean, when you look at her, Don Staley. Uh, you know, they were trying to kind of going back and forth doing their thing, man. And um, they came up short at the end, they made a run. And uh, you know, questionable call when you look at the Baylor situation. Um, the, the young lady definitely was fouled, <laughs> you know, there's no if and buts about that. But what can, what can <laughs> you do in that situation if they're not going to reverse? reverse the call, you know, and uh, day late, dollar short. But I think Arizona future is is bright um i like the coach because she's one she's standing up and standing out for things to be right and she's not holding her tongue uh either so um i respect that about her so it'll be interesting to see what it looks like next year out there in the pac-12 um if they're going to be back or was this just you know a one-time thing um one thing's for sure you're always going to have the baylor the connecticut's um the South Carolinas, you know, those are always going to be top of the mountain where it used to be always Tennessee, Stanford, you know, UConn. So just to get some new blood in there, a different look is, is, is I think is good for the college game. Yeah, I was going to say big shout out to Dawn Staley in uh, South Carolina. She had those girls playing as well. Zaya Cook is probably my favorite player throughout the tournament. Yeah. I I thought she was simply exceptional. <laughs> the way some of the moves she was giving some of the sisters on the court was just special. And now, you know, they got the women's draft just around the corner, and they're saying that it's probably going to be two, three guards, all sisters, probably first off the board. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing to see. Yeah, that's amazing to see. And uh, just, you know, off my coaching wire, um, I think it's been a, 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 a successful hiring for women college coaches, sisters, um african americans also um at some some bigger locations so um you know i know it was it's, it's a new sister down at auburn one in mississippi state uh the young lady just got you know the the permanent at kentucky um yep the kentucky yeah yep. so so it's been it's been pretty good big um you know not in just the mans but the women as the well women also yes. yeah so again let's just let's just hope that you know it's not um, eye candy right now, you know. Yeah, window pane, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on to the NBA, Coach. It is heating up. Finally, I, in my opinion, once March Madness ends, then I can finally turn my head and look at the <laughs> NBA because everyone knows after 
after the All-Star break for like two to three weeks, NBA is a little tough to watch for a little bit. But now they're gearing back up. you got these playing games coming up next month, so everyone's trying to fight to not be in the 7, 8, or 9 seed to play in these playing games. Who's some of your favorites right now moving in the NBA? You know, you've seen some great, I mean, I'd say NBA trade deadline moves, you know, post-deadline buyouts, whatever that stuff is. Teams got stronger again. What are you seeing right now? How's the NBA going to unfold? Well, you know, like me and you were just discussing before we came on air, um, you know, right now Brooklyn is the perennial favorite, but when are they all going to play together? You know, it's starting to look like last year's Clippers in a sense. Um, um, you know, you look at Harden, he's carrying the team by itself. Then it comes back one day, it's, it's Kyrie carrying. KD comes in for three or four, <laughs> he's carrying. So it's like, when are we going to see all you guys together? And uh, you know, see if you can be that Loyola Marymount type team, and just or the or the you know Golden State Warriors just mopping teams off the court. Um, you know, you always got to keep Milwaukee in the mix just because you know Giannis is there, and um, uh, maybe Miami and Boston. I would look at them top four teams. I think you know that that's your your East, but uh, with with the Finals probably coming down between Brooklyn and Philly or Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, the West, the West, I think it's still tough, man. You know, you look at that that eight nine spot. You still got Portland down there at the bottom. Uh, you know, Golden State is streaky, but I I don't think they have a run in them. Um, I think it's it's coming down to to Portland, uh, the Lakers. Um, Portland's a scary team, man. Portland's not a team that you really want to see late in the playoffs. Like the the quiet addition of Norman Powell is very, very, very dangerous. You know, you you add another twenty point per game score to two guys that can score thirty to forty any night. Um, they've gotten longer. You know, they've gotten bigger. Portland's scary. Yeah, man. I mean, anytime you got Dame time, and you got up, Dame uh, 45, 50 points, and then you got Covington standing over there in the corner shooting threes. You know, it, it's crazy, man. I don't think it's a cakewalk for the Lakers. You know, you look at Utah, Donovan and them boys playing. You know, um, uh, you get a streaky Memphis team that sneak up in there in a nice spot. You just, you just never know out there in the West. And it seems like the injury bug is, is taking a little toll on the Lakers. So, you know, of course, they'll be looking to use that. That's called rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I just don't see them, you know, just uh, mowing over the the West, man. It's just too many teams out there with, with good quality guys that can beat you by themselves in a seven-game series. And, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle for Denver now that um, my guy is out. Yeah, the glitch, put it, put it Jamal here. Murray. Yeah, so um, – you know, it'd be some other guys stepping up, but he's definitely the heart and soul of that team. That's gonna hurt. Yeah, I'm hoping, hoping my boy Monte, Monte Morris, you know, represent Michigan. Right. Hope he can show up. You know, this is a big year for him, contract year. So this could be some time to make it to put a name on yourself. Um, so that's what I'm kind of hoping here. But as a Laker fan, of course, I'm, I'm hoping it's us again. No, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not really loving the addition of Andre Drummond. I, I really. I've never been a big Andre Drummond guy, though, so maybe that's why. And, of course, I haven't seen him with LeBron and AD, so that's going to – that changes things a little bit. I mean, but he's – But, man, he's a – I mean, I mean, I liked him in Detroit, you know, his early years. Um, I just think he, he never had a solid 
team or solid solid coaching staff. You know, it was just we're going to rebuild. We're not going to rebuild. We're going to rebuild. And you know, the Lakers picked them up for cheap. So anytime you can get a, you can get a big body and it's little or nothing. I mean, you know, he's definitely not going to hurt the team. You know, he he's basically just replacing your Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, to be honest, you know, so. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a plus deal for sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a plus, but the rest, they're going to have their hands full with, I think, like you said, the Brooklyn Nets, man. Brooklyn's scary, and as we're watching right now, Philly. Philly is scary, man. Joel Embiid is an absolute monster. When he's healthy, there's not too many guys that can do anything with him, and they've done a great job with adding shooters around him this season. And Doc's and Doc is a genius, you know. Like he's spreading the court up a little bit, allowing, allow, almost allowing like big, uh, allowing Ben and Joel to just do their own thing and just spread shooters out around them. I mean, when you look at a guy like Embiid, man, you're talking about a triple threat type player. You know, somebody who can pass, somebody who can score. You know, he definitely rebound, play defense. I mean, you know, that guy's a monster. You know. Um, but I just don't think in a seven-game series against the Nets or seven-game series against uh, the Lakers or something like that, I don't think Philly is strong enough. You know, um, yeah. you see Simmons trying to shoot a little bit more, still not enough. You know, Tobias Harris is a solid all-around player. I just really think Philly don't have enough to climb that hill. You know, so like you said, it's definitely going to be interesting to see you know, as we're coming down to the end, uh, how things are going to play out, man. Um, um, you know, I'm looking at the game as we speak now, Brooklyn and Philly. It's 106 to 114. I mean, is anybody playing defense nowadays? <laughs> you know, so uh, it's going to be interesting, man. And I can't wait to, to check it out, you know. And then we even forgot Dallas and the Clippers, you know. I mean, you know, you were about to man, say, uh, Luca. Slow as he is, man, <laughs> he is a monster <laughs> to try to guard. And it seems like ain't nobody stop him, man. <laughs> As I call I call him L.A. Fitness. That's what I call him. He, he, he that guy that just walk up at L.A. Fitness and he's just shooting it from everywhere, killing you. And you're just like, you look familiar, but I really don't know where I know you from. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm Luka Doncic. Like, that's like, he's just he's just an issue at everything. And um if KP can stay healthy, that makes that that makes that Dallas team dangerous. But it, it seems like he's he's playing a, play with glass slippers a lot, and uh, I'm, I'm not even sure if he can get you healthy the rest of the season. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Oh, KP been killing them. But I, I'm curious. Miami went to the finals last year. They really didn't get worse. Honestly, you know they didn't lose any players. But just like our conversation we just had, a lot of people forget to mention Miami still when we talk about making a repeat. Why is that, I guess? You know, I think Miami's just been even playing. Um, you know, it, it's no star factor there. You know, um, yeah, it was a buzz when Jimmy first got down there, Jimmy Butler, um, but that's been it. And then you look at, we don't know what's going on with Oladipo, you know, hurting his knee again. So that's the key. But again, yeah. Miami just did like any other sport, any other team. They got hot at the right time. And I mean, when they got hot, they just rolled past, you know, Milwaukee and everybody else, Boston. So, you know, instead of the one game, anything that happens when you look at the tournament, you're just looking at a series. 
And, you know, it's it's about luck. It's about break. It's about getting hot. They had their numbers. Yeah, and, and they were rolling. So, you know, you're going to see the same thing this year. You kind of see it every year. You know, it's just about what team is going to be on the roll. What's that one team, if you were a coach right now, that you really don't want to see in a seven-game series coming to NBA playoffs? What's, what's the one team that kind of causes some some nightmare matchups? Yeah, if I if I got to go with the West, it's definitely the Portland Trail Blazers, um, just for the obvious facts that we stated. Um, in the East, it, it's probably it's probably a Miami, you know. Um, you look at guys like Hero and, like I said, Butler and Bam and all that. I mean, they have a solid, solid team, and they have a a proven veteran coach that's uh, that knows what to do to get it done. You know, so um, when you're talking them two teams, man, I just think it's, it's kind of like wide open. It's just about when the glass ceiling just drops. You know, so. We'll see, man. We have a few weeks left. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm sure we'll be back talking about it again. Yeah, Miami's scary to me because of, like you talked about, who plays defense anymore. And when the playoffs come, it is an entire different ball game. And if you got Oladipo uh, healthy, Miami does look to be one of the best perimeter defensive teams in basketball. Then you got Bam locking down the paint. But if you got Jimmy and Victor out on the perimeter – you're looking at one of the better teams in the East, at least. Obviously, the West, you got the Clippers, are probably the best perimeter team in basketball with Pat Bev, Kawhi, and Paul George. And those are the teams that are scary, I think, in the playoffs are the ones that actually know how to play real defense. They just don't in the regular season. At the end of the day, we said it on our last show, defense wins championships. Offense puts people in the seats and give you the show factor. But if you want to win – I can beat you two every time. every time. You know, if you don't score, you don't win. So uh, I'm always going to take defense. And that's why the Brooklyn Nets scare me, not only because of the offensive players they have, but the lack of uh, camaraderie because they don't get to play together often. And defense is like 95% of just trust of where that player is supposed to be in rotation and making moving as one hand. So that's – that's the only thing that scares me about the Brooklyn Nets. Besides that, they can score 80 points with three players. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, did you have a chance to watch WrestleMania? Um, I know I had family time last week. had my family kind of visit. I know you had some family time. You took your baby girl to you uh, to Vegas. Yeah. So it seems like both of us chose family time over WrestleMania this year. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, uh, my daughter, she had a recruiting visit out at UNLV. So uh, what what I did was I just uh, made a vacation out of it, man. And, you know, we just happened to be going WrestleMania weekend. And my son was, was happy to be in Vegas, but sad at the same time. But, you know, he knew he could catch it on, on demand. Um, the little bit I did watch, man, you know, I really wasn't – too thrilled or excited, you know, um, if I'm just being completely honest, man, you know, I've, yeah, I've been, very, I've been very disappointed with the writing and the storylines for uh, WWE as of late, man, um, probably for a good year or more. Um, and I think they're scrambling. Yeah. And I, what I seen, I wasn't happy with, and I'm glad I didn't experience, go to a live experience or even pay for that. Um, I'll, I'll watch the second day in more detail, but, um, they, they definitely need to, 
to change. They need to get back to the to the raw era, to the to the badass era, you know. And they got to. Uh, I mean, and stop bringing back these these old wrestlers. Like I, I know that's like probably the way to try to get us fans back. You know, bring back Edge, bring back these old guys. But like, if you can't fight no more, you can't fight. And these new guys are solid, but you just need to be able to let them reinvent themselves and. I don't know if you can show blood on TV anymore, but give me a little blood. Yeah, I want to see a guy get hit in the chair with just like a little bit of blood. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a little cut. It's like you say, man, when you look back at people like Edge that's on their last leg that shouldn't even be wrestling as it is because of uh, injuries that can paralyze them or you know, paralyze them. He's just doing it because he loved the company right. so much. Yeah, it, it, it just needs to stop. And, you know, you can see skills diminishing, you know. Um, it, it'd be different if you was going to a local house show and you were making an appearance. That's one thing, but to be on a national stage and you still trying to bring these guys back, like, come on now, that you can't do it no more. Week in, week out, yeah. You know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the AEW. They're they're stepping it up, honestly, man. Uh, bringing a lot of talent in and and uh, promoting, and you know, you look at them bringing Shaq in. I think. Tonight, uh, they got Mike Tyson sitting down. Uh, Mike Tyson, yeah. yeah. Chris Jericho's up to something over there. Yeah, man. So, you know, you look at Jericho and uh, Cody Rhodes doing, man. Uh, and Cody Rhodes. Knows, you know, it just we just haven't had the experience of really being live with them. You know, I think they got a, a, a few weeks in before COVID hit that, you know, they were actually able to do live events. But um, everything I'm seeing from them, man, they're going in the right direction with the storylines and the scripts and everything, man, and it's a little more entertaining um, than what's going on at WWE right now. Yep. Yeah, I could not agree more. That's exactly how I felt when I was in Grand Rapids. I found myself going to Raw and SmackDown. And then, yeah, like the last about year and a half, two years, I've kind of just kind of checked out and haven't really been feeling it. Um, I do, before I let you go, I know you said, talked about you got this new basketball league. Um I always think it's important to talk about other leagues than the NBA. Um, I, I know growing up, you always say NBA, I want to make it to the league, I want to make it to the league. But there's so many leagues where great hoopers and they're paying guys to play. You, obviously, you got overseas. But now in America, you know, you got the TBL Basketball League. I did some research, see that they started in like 2018. But you were just letting me know that they're kind of coming onto the scene a little stronger this year. And um, Sam Bunkley's going to be playing this year. You got Juwan Hampton out there, two, two pretty known collegiate guys who did their thing. Um, kind of touch on, you know, other leagues than the NBA. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to get back to the home state, man, and, and see what this is about. I had the, the luxury of uh, watching one of their road games in, uh, while I was in Vegas um, over the wire. And, um, you know, this uh, Friday, Saturday would be the home, first home game. So I'm going to go up there and support my guys. I mean, I had the privilege of coaching uh, Sam and Juwan in college. And, um, you know, I'm just going to show my support. Uh, those are two local, local Detroit guys. Um, respect, respectively, Sam plays for the Flint United and Juwan uh, plays for the Detroit Hustle. And both of them guys are Wayne County boys, you know, so um, – uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the different leagues, man, it, it is a great thing in a sense if it's done and being um, promoted the right way and everything. 
And um, I think what the TBL is doing is uh, taking those right steps from, from everything that I see and everything that I hear. Um, and it's given players another opportunity to advance to that next level of overseas or possibly G League or, or even the NBA. Um, it, it's given them that exposure that they wouldn't be able to get, you know, um, you know me, I'll just keep it real. You know, you get a lot of, a lot of times when guys come out of college, you get a lot of these hustle camps. And what I mean by hustle camps is, you know, they want you to pay X amount of dollars, anywhere from five to $900, uh, pay your own expenses out here, do this. And there's going to be some scouts out here looking and, you know, they keep you out there one, two, three days and you just spent, you know, almost 25 hundred to $3,000, man, just trying to get a, yeah, to get a look, man. And, and they don't have the best interest at heart. And then you also have some leagues out here that, you know, don't have the means of paying guys, but they can give them the exposure opportunity and playing, you know, and, um, you know, I, I just think this league is, is, is a little bit different because they're trying to seem like moderately after a NBA or G league type, you know, I know they, giving these guys housing. I know they, you know, giving them a training table. Uh, I know they're giving them a stipend. They're traveling on the road. They play games on the weekends, which to me seems to help the league. It's not going to bankrupt the league where, you know, back in the day when I used to uh, be down in the ABA games, the Detroit Dogs and, and that league, they used to try to pattern it exactly like the NBA. And I mean, it was hard trying to travel with 30 teams and you go on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, kind of around the clock and it's straining the budget. So the lack was falling somewhere, you know, players not getting paid, games being canceled, you know, whatever you call it. So, yeah, yeah. So, so from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, man, I think it's in a, in the right direction. Um, you know, Flint is being coached by Charlie Bell, former Michigan State <laughs> yes, guy. Sir. And I don't want anybody to think that I, I have any ties to it. I'm just just promoting, you know, just off the love, you yeah, know. Um, just love. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going on. You know, I'm a basketball head, so I'm excited to get up here and see what this league is about and, uh, you know, be back in the home state for a minute and be able to give me some better made chips and a pony dog. Ooh, and a little Fago. <laughs> I need it. Well, Coach, man, let me definitely follow up with me. Let me know how that league goes. And I appreciate you for coming on the, uh, the podcast again. Always a pleasure. I got these hoodies coming your way as soon as I get the order out. Got the sports time with my hoodie for yes, you. Sir. I know you got the sand dune color, the people's champ. Um Put it on for me. Take a picture when you get it. But I promise it is like the comfiest hoodie I didn't ever worn in my life. I promise you. I ain't just saying hey, that because they're my hey, hoodies. Look. Right, right. Well, I've been seeing the reviews, man. I've been jealous. Everybody been been buying them and supporting, and you know, everybody rocking the hoodies. Men, women, boys, girls. I'm like, man, what's going on? I got to get. One of those, man. Those must be limited edition. Limited edition, I got you. No, it's been nothing but love. So much support has been great. Um, and I, I appreciate you showing love as well, man, and just doing another podcast with me. So I appreciate it, Coach. And I got your hoodie coming for you soon. Sand Dune, you're going to love it. 
Hey man, I appreciate you, man, and I, I look forward to being back on with you. In the morning, got to talk for all the news. Sports talking, we talking sports talking. I'm thinking ready to play in the Jeter fuse with Boston. Now that Kobe retired, I'm thinking Kobe for office. Also, accepting NBA checks, I'm taking office from Detroit right to the big leagues, the big screen where we prove that we on big things. I'm doing what I want, I keep on looking at this dream, thinking I wanna know when I was 16. Big Ben, he thought a pig immensely. Quick feet, intensely waiting in suspense, but I'm finally here. Follow me here, cause trust me, it's no time to be squared. And if you really did trust me, then you would solemnly swear to pop a bottle forever.